0: I'll be reading from Psalm 68 verses 1 through 19 and then from Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus chapter 4 verses 1 through 8. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O oh God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked. The heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O oh God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock Found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil. Though you men lie among the sheepfolds, the wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalman. O mountains of God, mountains of Bashan. O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan. Why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode? Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
1: Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations and thoughts and conversations in all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. Good morning everybody, and um, happy birthday. Uh, you're now 25. Collectively, you can all rent a car at the airport right now, so that And um, last week was also Pentecost Sunday. And it was very common on Pentecost Sunday in the Old Testament. The the Jews didn't have Pentecost. They had the the Festival of Weeks. But on, on that celebration, on the Festival of Weeks, there was a psalm that was read on the Sunday that you all celebrated your 25th birthday. And that psalm was Psalm 68. In fact, I've never preached from Psalm 68, by the end of this morning, you might say, well, it's pretty clear to us that you've never preached on the psalm before, but the, the, the psalm 68 is, is a beautiful psalm of David. It's a psalm and a song. And it has a number of almost consistent headlines, one headline after another, of our mighty God being the cloud rider and the desert strider. I love that phrase, and my wife and I, just as Mark said, we lived in the desert for several years, and it's this picture of the Lord um, being victorious over the chaos. And as he is victorious over the chaos, he ascends to his throne. And the psalmist says, as he ascended to the throne, he took captivity captive. Think of someone, um, think of a king for you kids, here, think of a king that just won a battle. And he just took all the bad guys and the bad gals and he rounded them up and said, now you are my people. And in Psalm 68, the sense here is that this king took all these people, and he rounded them up, and then he received gifts from them, like taxes—taxes um, taxes or tribute. But as, as Paul writes this, as he quotes from Psalm 68, he does something, for a lot of us, that seems rather strange. Instead of saying, as the Lord ascended on high and um, received gifts from men, Paul says that the Lord ascended on high and gave gifts to men. It's as though he changes the whole sense of the psalm, and he's not changing the sense of the psalm. This is a very difficult psalm. The the psalm basically says, The Lord abides with us forever. And I think what Paul is doing here in Ephesians, as he's thinking about Psalm 68, he's writing from prison. He's a church planner and a pastor. And he wants to be away from prison. He wants to be out with his people. And his life is filled with chaos. And as he writes this letter to, as a circular letter to the people around Ephesus, he says, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus is enthroned. He's ascended on high. And in the midst of this desert mess, he's right now giving you all gifts, the gifts of himself. The Lord is with you. And that's Paul's sense. The reason I like this psalm is it gives us a rich theology of what it means to be in the desert. Now, those of you that have been to Santa Fe, don't think of that desert. That's a really pleasant desert. That's why you all go there. It's green sometimes, and it's always cooler than here. Not like a hip cooler, just weather-wise cooler than here. And um, you can unplug. You can get on a dirt road. You can unwind. You can get—you can see the stars. You can see everything. You can You just enjoy it. But when the Bible speaks of a desert, it really speaks of an absence of life. And where there's an absence of life, there's a lot of chaos. And in the scriptures, when the Bible speaks of the desert or God's people in the desert, it really talks about a chaotic situation. And the good news is this, that that Jesus is in your chaos. You know, it's interesting, none of us schedule chaos in our lives. It just happens. It comes to us. Sometimes it's the direct result of things that we do. Other times it's, it's consequences. Other times it's just mysterious. And a lot of that chaos is very, very painful, and disorienting. The chaos of a loss of a job, chaos of, of a physical um, problem, chaos of a loss of a marriage. We don't like it. It's disorienting. And when the Bible speaks of chaos or the desert, that's what it, it, the wilderness is a place of chaos, not just testing, just absolute disarray. And as I read the New Testament, what is really encouraging to me, I, I can think of Paul sitting in prison and the chaos of him hoping to be with his people and he's not, and nothing is happening the way he wants. And I know that he knows that the Lord Jesus has ascended on high. And he's giving gifts to men. And one of the gifts that Jesus gives in the midst of chaos is that he prays up your chaos. There's one verse in Luke chapter 1, verse 80. It's a long chapter, isn't it? Luke chapter 1, verse 80. That when St. Luke describes the, the childhood of Jesus, and it's one of those rare verses, it says that he grew strong in the spirit. And he remained in the desert until his public ministry. I love that. Jesus, your Lord Jesus, my Lord Jesus, is very well acquainted with the chaos. He lived there a long time. He's not surprised by it. He lived his whole life in the desert. And what freaks us out doesn't freak him out. And in the rest of the book of Luke, what's very surprising is that when Jesus is exhausted as a pastor, He gets away to pray. And guess where He goes to pray? He goes off into the mountain wilderness, the mountain desert, and He prays. The things and the places that you find chaotic, Jesus says, I have no problem going there. I like to go and pray in the chaos. I am Lord over your chaos, and I've prayed it up. Have you ever had someone pray you up before? Like in a good old Baptist sense? You know what I'm talking about. Um, when I when met my mother-in-law-to-be, I was dating a young woman from Sherman, Texas. Um, I chased her. I went from University of North Texas, even though I'm a California kid, and I transferred to Austin College to chase a girl, and I won. She married me. Um, but... Um, I remember when I met, at that time, Mrs. Blevin, and since then she's been mom, um, who's now with the Lord. I remember going with her shopping, and she would sometimes pray for a parking spot. And I thought, that's so funny. That's so... She prays for a parking spot. She prays it up, and every time she prayed it up, she got a parking spot. (laughs) It just made me think that there's something to this fact that Jesus is Lord over the Piggly Wiggly and maybe He's got a spot for me there and she just (laughs) believes it. But when I see the stuff about the psalmist talking about the Lord, the cloud rider, and the desert strider, what I see is, is that Jesus is ascended into the heavens. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He ever lives to make intercession for you and I and He has prayed up your chaos. He's not surprised by it. He's ascended on high and gives gifts to men. And the gifts He gives you and I is that He's prayed up your chaos. When chaos hits you, I really hope you take comfort in that. That one of the gifts that God will give you is the remembrance that you have a high priest that ever lives to make intercession for you. And whatever your chaos is right now, He's, in the best way possible, He's prayed it up. And one of the gifts that we need to remind each other is that 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 God is praying up our chaos. Read through the Gospels. Read how Jesus was so at ease in the desert. He wasn't surprised by its lack of life. Loved it. He's Lord over the desert and Lord over the chaos. And the gift He gives you and I is that He prays it up. It's hard being in chaos, isn't it? It's hard when your life turns upside down. And, and one of the things that you and I feel um, when we're in the desert spiritually or relationally or whatever it can be is we feel terribly weak, but sometimes we're afraid to admit our weakness. You know, the one thing that, that um, never surprised me um, when I was in Santa Fe is how when people from Houston or Dallas or Austin would come, they would often say, I feel so at ease in Santa Fe. Why is that? And I'd say, well, you're on vacation. That's why. You don't have to go to work. That's one reason you feel at ease in Santa Fe. I said, try living here. You know, living in a vacation town is not the same as visiting a vacation town. This is where we work, so we feel the same, well, not the same traffic we feel in Dallas, but we feel similar pressures of mortgages and rent and all that stuff. Um, uh, But when people came to Dallas, I think one thing they noticed is that weaknesses somehow celebrated in Santa Fe. Let me give you an example. Um, We have vegas, which are like big wooden beams like you have here in in this beautiful sanctuary. But in Santa Fe, when you get a wooden beam like you have here, if it had a crack down the middle, it would be more expensive than one that didn't have a crack. And I'm not joking. We valued crack things. And as you value crack things, um, it's easier to express your weakness. Several years ago when I came back for a Southwest Church Planning Network um, meeting here, which I always love to come back to, in Dallas, and I was staying at a hotel nearby and I was able to run. That's when I was running. I should run again, but when I was running, I was going through some of the neighborhoods um, in the University Park area and Highland Park area and um, maybe just a little bit north of that. And I was marveling at how beautiful the lawns are and the garden beds. And and I I remember thinking at one time, my life could never be as organized as that guy's lawn. (laughs) This is so stressful for me. (laughs) I say that because sometimes um, when we do really well and take care of things, it makes it harder for us to express our weakness. And as the Lord has ascended on high and gives gifts to men, one of the gifts that He gives us is the freedom because of His grace, and He's Lord over the chaos, is to be weak with each other. Do you all give yourself room to be weak with each other? It's really important to do that. It doesn't mean to be whiny. It just means not to be that strong. Because remember, it's not the amount of our faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith that saves us, Jesus. And sometimes our faith is really weak. And sometimes we just need to express it. And when we express it, God gives gifts to men. Sometimes He brings people that will cover our weaknesses. Either with hope or opportunity. And it means that we have to take a risk and love people when they're not lovable. When people feel weak, they're not very lovable. It's like picking up a cat after a cat fight. They don't take kindly to that. But someone does it. It's easy to love people when they're lovable. It's much more difficult to love people when they're not lovable. And I think when Paul says, and Christ ascends on high, and He gives gifts to men, one of the gifts He gives us are brothers and sisters who cover our weakness, who are with us. That's one of the reasons why I came to the seminary. I've been a pastor for 26 years, and um, I really like people a lot. In fact, I love people. And I've learned so much of being a pastor. is isn't dispensing theological information. It's just in being with people when they feel weak and not letting them feel ashamed about it, letting them be themselves when they're going through the desert, when they're chaotic, just walking with them. One of the gifts that God gives us when we're in the desert, one of the gifts that God gives us when things are chaotic, He gives people to cover our weaknesses. Um, I come from a Roman Catholic family, a very healthy Roman Catholic family, and um, when I was preaching, I think for the second time as a minister, I was preaching in Berkeley, California at a small Orthodox Presbyterian church. And my dad was there, and I was so happy my pop was there because I love my dad. And then when I planted the church in Antioch, he surprised me—he and my mom did—by coming out one Sunday to hear their, their son preach a sermon in his first year as a church planter in a Northern California suburb. And after the service, my dad came straight up the middle aisle, I can still see him, right toward me. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. The Holy Spirit's moving in my pop. I I must have really hit it out of the ballpark this morning. This is fantastic. (laughs) My dad was, he came forward from the front front aisle and um, he came and gave me a hug and he turned me around and he said very gently, he said, Mark, good job, um, your zipper's down, would you please pull your zipper up right now? <laughs> Sorry. But uh, The reason I bring this up is that, you see, God was covering my weakness. <laughs> Christ ascended on high and he gave gifts to men. And that, that may sound funny, but he really was. I was his boy. And he wasn't gonna have me publicly shamed. He knew that I was gonna shake people's hands. He just wanted to make sure that my zipper was up when I did so. Which was great, and I think back on that, that, God, that Christ ascends on high, and he gives gifts to men. And that's why Paul can say in prison, I can't be there with you, but there are other people walking down the aisle covering you. In the midst of our chaos, Jesus has prayed it up. In the midst of our weakness, God provides people. You know, I think of another time in my life when, um, when our fifth child was born. My wife and I was diagnosed um, with an internal carotid arterial dissection. That's a fancy way of saying she had a very exotic stroke in the midst of giving birth to a child that was not correctly diagnosed right away. And she was paralyzed for a while. Now, by God's grace, she has fully healed from that. But when she was in the midst of, that, of the stroke, and I was called by the neurologist to go downstairs and take a look at the MRI... I remember looking at that MRI, and he described what he called infarction spots, and I didn't know what those were. He said, those are dead spots in the brain caused by the stroke. I remember going back into the elevator and taking the palm of my hand and slapping it as hard as I could against that metal elevator, saying, God, why are you doing this to us? Till my hand pulsated for a day, and I was stunned. Because I'm a good father, but I'm a horrible mom. And my wife was in peril. The Lord Jesus ascended on high, and He gave gifts to men. And one of the gifts He gave my wife and I is a woman by the name of Phyllis. Phyllis lived in Chico, California, about 150 miles from where we lived. Phyllis is the mother of our music arts director. The music arts director in the church was praying for us. Phyllis came to the hospital. I don't know how she got past all the security and all the doctors there in the, in the emergency room, but she found me the next day. And she simply said, Martin, Marianne's going to be fine and recover, and your daughter's your miracle baby. And my only response was, Phyllis, how did you get in here? And then I'm not happy with what I said next, but I said to her, Phyllis, I think you're crazy. And she said, the Lord told me, Mart, that your wife's going to be fine. And that girl's your miracle baby. I was so weak. I couldn't even hear that. But you know what? She was right. My wife was fine. Our daughter's our miracle baby. The Lord Jesus ascends on high, He gives gifts to men. Sometimes it's a father coming down an aisle. Sometimes it's a crazy lady from Chico, California. But you know what they both did that you and I can do? They took a risk to go bless someone. They took the risk to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to go bless people in the midst of their weakness. And here's, here's why this is so important. When you bless people in their weakness, you know you destigmatize them. When I look at the psalm, what I find very interesting in Psalm 68 is that as the ascended one goes on high and gives gifts to men, it says here, as the psalmist describes it, that God's the father of the fatherless. That he takes in the widow and he puts the solitary in homes. This is not a king that sits on his throne because the war is over. This is a king who wants to ensure shalom and peace for all the people in his kingdom. And when he finds people that are marginalized, he goes out there and he adopts them. He gives the fatherless a new name. He gives the widow a new name. He gives the solitary a family. And he gives the prisoner a job. That's what it says there in the Psalms. You know what he does? He destigmatizes people. You know what a stigma is? A stigma is an unwelcomed reputation, either based on something that has happened to you or something you have done. Convict stigma, fatherless stigma, husbandless, wifeless stigma. I AM SINGLE IN A LARGE FAMILY AREA, STIGMA. AND the, God, THE GIFT THAT GOD GIVES THOSE WHO HAVE BEEN STIGMATIZED, THE GIFT THAT GOD GIVES THOSE WHO ARE IN THE WILDERNESS, THE GIFT THAT GOD GIVES THOSE WHO BELONG TO HIM, IS HIS NAME. IF YOU'RE A CHRISTIAN, YOU HAVE BEEN destigmatized. WHATEVER YOUR PARENTS DID, WHATEVER YOU HAVE DONE, has all been put on Jesus, and He has given you a new name. He is your shepherd, you are His sheep, and in your baptism, you've been tattooed as belonging to Jesus. And He has taken your stigma away. And one of the beautiful things about being a Christian is that God gives us the opportunity to destigmatize those who feel marginalized. Now, that takes risk. But you can do it because as God has ascended on high and gives gifts to men, He wants us to do that. All the things that you all do in the city, all the things that you do to love your neighbors well, it's such a great gift to destigmatize people, to look at them with soft eyes, to give them an opportunity for Jesus' sake. I want to thank all of you for what you've done for us at Redeemer Seminary. As Mark says, we've been birthed out of, Redeemer, out, of, out of Park City's Presbyterian Church. We're not a denominational seminary, but we're largely PCA. And many of you have prayed us up. Many of you have have contributed financially, strategically. Thank you. When I, when I left the church um, in Santa Fe, one of my elders told me as we were leaving, he said, Mark, God bless you as you go to Redeemer and help those young men and women become fully formed human beings. Here's what he meant by that. Preach Psalm 68, that Christ is ascended on high and He's prayed up your chaos. That Christ is with you, with people that will come alongside you in your weakness. And that Christ will destigmatize whatever has been stigmatized in your life by the power of the gospel. Thank you, Park City's Presbyterian Church, for loving on Redeemer Seminary. And my hope is that we can provide pastors for you, like your pastor Paul and others, for many years to come. I'm grateful for you. Um, thanks for letting one of your kids come home. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for um, how You have ascended on high and given gifts to men. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that You are that gift. Through praying up our chaos, You are that gift in giving us people to surround our weakness. And You are that gift by taking away our stigma and sin and giving us Your name. We're so grateful for You. We love You and pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.